Welcome to Quest for Gold. There's a new person in charge of the Tokyo Olympic Committee. We told you last week that Yoshiro Mori was stepping down as head of the committee following comments he made about women. He's been replaced by 56-year-old Olympic minister Seiko Hashimoto. You may remember that name from the 1992 Albertville Olympics where she won a bronze in speed skating. She also competed in the Summer Olympics in cycling. In fact, she's competed in more Olympic Games than any other Japanese athlete. Her top priority, making sure that the Summer Games happen and they happen safely. It's an uphill battle as many Japanese are shunning the Games and ceremonial events surrounding them. A governor in Western Japan now discussed canceling the Olympic torch relay in his region, saying he's unhappy with the COVID-19 prevention measures surrounding the relay, which is set to begin March 25th. One thing that could help ease fears this week, Japan began administering COVID-19 vaccinations for the first time. The first doses, like in the U.S., are being administered to frontline healthcare workers, though there are concerns that that effort began too late. Olympic organizers are hopeful the vaccine and newly revised Olympic playbook will ease concerns among athletes and the Japanese public. They wrapped up days of meetings updating the playbook with new policies so they can try to handle the pandemic during the games. IOC Sports Director Christoph Duby expressed overwhelming support and confidence in the newly revised health playbook, a nearly 40-page booklet establishing health rules and regulations surrounding the games. What we've seen over the last uh, weeks uh, with the publication of the playbooks, which start exactly from this assumption and in every communication to every stakeholder, including to the general public, we insist upon this factor. Everybody will behave uh, according to the rules that are established in order to deliver safe and secure activities. And as you pointed out, Ide, what is worth for uh, the games uh, will be exactly the same for anything before being a test event, a qualification event, or a torch relay. He reminds the public that one year ago this playbook did not exist. The publication of the playbooks has had an extraordinary impact on everyone. And what I mean by that is that the playbooks describe the how. And you see, we had the opportunity then to present uh, the content of the playbooks to all stakeholders and go into the, the details of, of the content. And the overwhelming result is total support and, and confidence. And where we stand, mm. it's then very comfortable because there is a lot of work until now and games time. You have to imagine that these playbooks was the first version. Obviously, it sets the framework for uh, all, all the stakeholders. But we now have to go much deeper into the details, down to every specific area in every single venue for each of the stakeholders. And this is the work that we have started and that will be completed until the Games. And they continue to work with the World Health Organization as well as other health officials. I get that people will, will want to have as much possible details, but at the same time, if we make a number of decisions... Now, where the situation regarding the, the COVID situation is very fluid, then we might regret some of the decisions. So, as we commented earlier on, it's very important in this time frame to look at the, the way the pandemic evolves, consider the situation at any given point in time, and make the right call 
at the right point in time. Among the biggest questions still to be answered, how are they going to move athletes around into residence halls, to their venues, inside dining halls? One thing I can guarantee is that you never have everybody at the same time. And this is one of the reasons why you have such an extensive hours of operations because the athletes' uh, uh, movement in the dining hall and the whole uh, food and, and, uh, and beverage uh, has to be available throughout the day because some start extremely early, others uh, uh, pick up later in the day. So this is a scenario we need to look into. But from the other side, what is the total capacity that, that we have in the dining hall and at the same time then align the competition schedule. And so far, we haven't seen any pinch point in, in this respect. That is, we feel that we have the capacity to feed everyone that is likely to be in the dining hall at any given point in time, considering the sports schedule, being either for training or for competition purpose. Athletes are one component, fans another, and that has yet to be addressed. Part of what the committee is hoping to do, though, is establish confidence in these games with the Japanese public. New poll shows less than 15% of Japanese residents want to see these games happen as scheduled this summer. Bringing in tens of thousands of athletes, coaches, potentially fans, leaves many questions about testing, spacing, and housing. You see, we, we've been uh, informing our stakeholder on the, on the basis of a number of important items in the COVID countermeasures or what we call the toolbox. So they knew from the beginning we were discussing about access to Japan and the playbook is explaining the conditions for accessing to Japan. We were explaining uh, um, the second part uh, which was the personal protection equipment, what would be needed and where. Mm -hmm. We are providing information in the playbooks. We were discussing about testing, and there in the playbooks we are explaining that the regime for testing, especially for the athletes, uh, has been designed and that other population groups at a, a, a later point in time will be informed about their testing regime as well. But at least the framework has been established. We were clarifying also what is immensely important, the, the, the question of vaccination, whether it would be obligatory or not, answer is clear. Uh, what, what would be done between now and the Games? And we have asked the National Olympic Committees to look at the situation in their countries to approach uh, their um, relevant authorities. And while obviously respecting fully the order of priority that are established by the governments, but to ensure that there is an information whether the delegations could be part of vaccination prior to the Games or not. And there, more information were given to the National Olympic Committees in particular. And obviously, we, we had also one point which was critical, which is the information and how we would communicate. And the playbook is the instrument where you can find all information regarding the, uh, the countermeasures. And that in itself, this information was very reassuring to see that there is a uh, uh, document in which you can find all policies, procedures and rules which would have to be followed uh, uh, during the Games. We made a point to, uh, to make those documents public because we felt it was important as well for the public at large and the, the Japanese population in, in particular to be acquainted with uh, 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 this information because it shows that what we said, uh, Hide and myself, about the safety and, and security is really 
of uh, prime importance. The playbook is available for anyone to view online. We will link off to it. Keep in mind, it will change as the pandemic changes. We're about five months away from the opening ceremonies. As of now, the organizing committee is going full steam ahead. So are the athletes. We do not know if they'll need to be vaccinated ahead of the games. We'll talk to one of those athletes next week on the next episode of Quest for Gold. I'm Ryan Burrow. We'll see you then. 